Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. Hey, are you into NASCAR or any of the motor sports? And even if you aren't, stay with us today because we have an awesome and fascinating conversation with sports dietitian Stephanie Fernandez. She is on board with the Toyota Performance Center and works with an array of developing athletes getting into the sport of NASCAR through the adult high-performing motorsport athlete. So she's going to share with us so many learning points about the crucial roles of nutrition, hydration, how they conduct various kinds of testing, and cool techniques and tips to really get these kinds of athletes in tip-top shape for their sport. So thanks again for being with us today. My name is Dina Griffin, co-host of the show, joined as always by my awesome co-host Bob Sibahar. We are both registered dietitians and board certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We're here to help provide translations of nutrition and sports science to real life, give you interviews with a variety of experts where you enhance your knowledge and bring a fun nutrition conversation to you each week. So yes, in this episode number 86, Stephanie from the Toyota Performance Center is shedding a whole lot of light on the sport of NASCAR and related motorsports, the needs of the athletes, and giving us an inside peek as to what she does on a daily basis, which is quite fascinating. Real quick before we get to the show, we'd love to connect with you, so... If you're on Instagram, head over to ISN Podcast and connect with us there. And we'd also love to connect with you as individuals. So connect with Bob at Energy Performance, E-N-R-G Performance. Myself, Dina, Nutrition Mechanic is the handle. And you can connect with us over on our website, InsideSportsNutrition.com. Bookmark it for all the show notes from previous episodes and all of those to come. Thank you so much. We've got some exciting programs coming from our respective businesses here this fall. And so you'll also want to pop on our newsletter and be sure to get updates and all the news. Thanks again for being here, listeners. We love y'all and hope you enjoy this episode number 86. Dina, why are you laughing at me? I'm I didn't know your you're... segment. I know that was awesome, Bob. I have my little... I my little play cars here for this you one do? it's really? yeah they're oh well wait, you can't listeners, hear them. listeners we are not going crazy <laughs> we are already crazy but dina and i we are opening up this episode this is nutrition for nascar what nutrition for nascar <laughs> let me just say that one more time because some listeners are like what there is such a thing oh yeah there is such a thing and today dina we've got a very special guest one of my good friends stephanie fernandez who is a professional registered sport dietitian who actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, Stephanie, I believe you are pioneering sport nutrition for NASCAR. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be able to share with you guys and your listeners just a little bit of 
what I get to do. I feel really honored to work where I am and work with the people I work with. So um, like super excited to share what we've learned. Like that what it's about, oh, right? Like totally, so totally. Well, it, and it fascinates to me. It. Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for years and we'll, we'll get into this in a second, but I, I first want to just find out, cause we ask all of our guests this, how did you start your day? Like, how does, how does a sport dietitian start her day? What happened this morning? <laughs> oh man. So, um, I'm like, you know, after working in, in major league baseball and then in, you know, in grad school, working a little bit at the collegiate level, um, it was just like, you don't know, I like sometimes sit back and I'm like, I work closer to a nine to five sometimes than I think I've ever done. <laughs> and I'm like, is this real? Is this normal? Is this what other people feel like? Um, so, you know, for me, like generally, like we, we are very organized. We like schedules. Um, so we pretty much know what to expect each day going in and like, how late can I sleep in before like my first thing in the yeah. morning? Um, really yep. value sleep now. So yes. honestly, first thing waking up is I sink my aura ring. <laughs> Okay. Looking at, we were very competitive here. So, um, but it really varies day to day and then kind of throughout the week, but I mean, it could be coming in and doing a body comp assessment with one of our drivers. It could be a one-on-one -on -one meeting. It could be eating breakfast with, um, some of our staff here, um, or meal prep. Yeah. We actually, we have a full kitchen, um, for our drivers to use, to kind of hone in some of those skills while also like helping them kind of hit some of the targets in terms of our nutrition recommendations. So yeah, it can really just vary. It could be debates about, I mean, God knows what, or we could play some pretty bad basketball. Yeah. Sometimes we have a basketball court in our, in our training room. So it could be, could be a little bit of that. So it really just depends. I love it. <laughs> very, very diverse. Yes. 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 Stephanie, you're, you are a sport dietitian, registered dietitian. Can you share how you got into this field before we go into what you've been doing as a sport dietitian? What was your journey to get into dietetics? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I, I, you know, we often share our stories of like how we ended up where we are now. Um, and I'd have to say like, this is, is definitely a passion, um, you know, an interest, like I can't get enough, right. Of learning about, I mean, this just nutrition can go so many layers deep, right. Even down to that biochemical level. And I think it's just fascinating, like being able to like understand that and then being able to translate it into like, here's a food that you can eat. That's going to help with all of this. Right. Or like whatever, like training adaptation you're trying to drive, like, how can you leverage nutrition to help that? And that really was like born out of, um, as a former college athlete, you know, I played a couple of years of softball, um, at a D1 level, smaller school, but the, you know, D1 level and honest to God, I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. Um, I didn't know what, I didn't have a dietitian on staff. Um, you know, it's the same kind of story we hear with a lot of our athletes. Like you're asking your peers, you know, honestly, social media wasn't like a huge thing. Um, like I think Instagram was like just in its birth of being used on a, a larger scale. Um, but you know, you're like, you're looking up things online or you're watching people in the dining hall and what they're doing. And like all of that, that just really compounds in that college experience sometimes, especially when you're searching for answers or solutions for yourself. And, um, 
I fortunately ended up seeing a dietitian, um, a registered sports mm-hmm. dietitian that was in the area. And trust me, like there were a lot of growth pains. I like look back now. Um, like I didn't understand like what a serving size of protein was. <laughs> so when she said like, I thought it was like three ounces of chicken. And then, you know, it was one ounce on the sheet she gave me. And I'm like, I'm supposed to have 21 ounces of chicken. Like, is this right? And I'm like, literally like you could see, I was just like sitting there, like staring in the dining room, like, what am I doing? So I just, from there, just like kind of understanding how I could use nutrition to help my performance. And then I began to feel it and I was seeing it on the field and I was like, this is so cool. Like how do, how do not my, how do my other teammates not see this or feel this or can experience this? And so um, it just kind of like leveled up there, right? It went from just like my tiny little, like, this is my interest. This is how I'm going to help my performance. I feel better um, to like, okay, I want to share this. Like, I want to learn more information about it. And it just really kind of snowballed into me applying um, to a nutrition and dietetics program um, for in graduate at the graduate level. Um, Cause I made minor or not minor, excuse me. I forget this conversation, yeah. but um, yeah. I got my bachelor's in biological sciences. So really kind of that foundation um, in our, in those, in the science component and then how to translate that on the nutrition side. So, um, and there I had a really cool mentor down at Florida International University, got to dabble in like MMA, um, collegiate, collegiate and Olympic level athletes. And then I got a really cool opportunity to go work um, with the tech Rangers, um, so, you know, from there kind of started my career in, in sports nutrition as a registered dietitian, but really just born out of a passion and um, the experience of seeing how nutrition can be leveraged for health and well-being, but also like seeing it translated on the field. Um, which was really cool. It is kind of nice to be able to see that once you like all the hard work and everything you learn and put it together and actually use it with athletes, including yourself, but also other athletes. How was, I'm wondering, how was the transition to major league baseball before we get into NASCAR? Like, was that abrupt for like, how was it for you? Honestly, I was very young. Like, are you saying like from grad school to, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was pretty, you know, fresh out of, of school. And, and honestly, like looking back, like it was an incredible opportunity and was very honored to get that experience. But, you know, I do feel like there are some lessons that need to be learned, especially when you're stepping into that environment where I think it would better prepare you to accelerate your program development. Um, you know, there's a lot of nuance and relationship building and, you know, interdepartment communication and, and how to lean on the people around you that have been there for a long time. And I think those are some lessons I had to learn the hard way and I had to learn fast. Um, but I mean, you know, I think if, if you're passionate, you're in it for the right reasons, your intentions are clear, like it can help carve that way. Um, so, you know, it was the first year, it was just like, you know, dropped in, like, let's go. And I was, you know, definitely being young and first job, you're like, yeah, let's do this. Um, so eventually, you know, um, (laughs) got into a good rhythm and then I ended up kind of switching paths and moving into, um, I guess, motorsports, um, with Toyota performance center. So, yeah. So how, how long did you spend in major league baseball as a sport dietitian there for about six years? Wow. Okay. So what, so why the transition to motorsports? Like what drew you to that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was the people, um, that I was working with. Yeah. So like, uh, 
we, you know, when I was with the Rangers, we developed a great relationship with um, some of the executives at Toyota Racing Development and kind of ping-ponging ideas back and forth and talking about, you know, athlete performance. And I got the opportunity to consult with them, um, you know, in 2019. And, you know, their, our director of performance, Caitlin, is just a tremendous human being um, and her passionate passion for her her craft, but also like she genuinely cares about all of the human beings around her. And, and this like, honestly, is from the top down. And not that I, I didn't experience that before, but this was just at a, a level where it like struck something in me and like my gut and my soul. And I was like, this is cool. This is incredible. Like I am, I was drawn um, to that environment. And it also helps like, you know, um, you see the opportunity to create impact and you're like, I kind of want, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, for sure. So let's, before we totally dive into that, because there's so many things we're going to launch into with the nutrition and can you, for our listeners, what, what is, well, when we talk about motorsports, let's, let's kind of define NASCAR. And then was that an easy transition for you in terms of being a sport dietitian or were there, were there a lot of changes or mindset changes that you had to, had to kind of engage in? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah there's been a lot of learning and we're still learning um, how we can fit in and how we can create um, advantages for our drivers and, and, you know, positively impact performance. But yeah, as that transition, I I had to learn a lot Um, just more about like the structure of it, right? Like even baseball, right. Explaining major in the minor league systems, um, you know, teams, teams and facilities in the Dominican, um, you know, there's a grasp on that. And, and so very similar, right. You know, our drivers can start out very young. Some of them get in vehicles, essentially like go-karts, um, when they're, you know, less than the age of 10, (laughs) they're already starting off on this path. Um, and you know, the age range for our athletes, our drivers can range from 14 to, you know, in their thirties typically. Wow. So very large, age range that we're dealing with. Um, but yeah, there's like, you know, in motorsports, we typically think of, and especially in the United States, obviously like, um, there's formula one, formula two, more from an international stage standpoint, but kind of here in the U S and in the large, um, component or group of our drivers kind of stick in the stock car racing, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, your, you have your NASCAR routes, which include like super late or late model racing, um, we have ARCA, and then it kind of levels up from there, the truck, Xfinity, and cup levels, um, and kind of those those levels, uh, you know, more competition, um, right. you know, kind of similar to baseball in that sense. So I was easy, that was easy to grasp for me. Okay. And then there's this whole other world of like dirt racing, right? Um, we call them our dirt kids, and like people are like, oh, like, are you calling your kids dirty? And we're like, no, that's just like what they do. They like race on dirt. They're, they're, they're dirt kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that includes, you know, completely different um, race setup and scheduling. And, you know, those, we just came back from Indiana midget week. Um, and we only saw like the last three, three races, but they, you know, some of them are out there for eight to 10 days at a time wow. um, running every single day. And so, yeah, just, really learning the system and, you know, about the different cars and the setups. And I have the kids still to this day, like I'll be like in our nutrition meetings and I'll be like, okay, first, I don't know what this means. Tell me what this means. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like explain to me like what downforce is. 
um, and like why that's helpful. And right. so I don't know if I can say that right now, to, like be able to explain <laughs> yeah. that in depth here, yeah. but it makes sense, right? When I hear that on like their radio or they're talking about that and they're set up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just do more. You, there's do more you work knowledge. with all the classifications or do you specialize in certain ones? Yeah, so for, just to kind of explain a little bit too about like what our facility is. So um, under the branch of TRD, we're, we're the Toyota Performance Center. So here we have like housing, our training center, um, nutrition, mental health and wellness. Um, we have a physical therapist. Um, we also have and contract out with a group um, called Ortho Carolina, which handles all like kind of the medical side of things. Um, and so, the drivers that are here that have access to our facility, um, it really is kind of for our Toyota development drivers. So talent that has been identified that we want to provide and pour in resources um, to see how they can perform, you know, as they move up through these various series. Um, and a lot of them, you know, their goal is to run on Sundays right at the cup level. Um, but we also invite other Toyota drivers, um, you know, so drivers that have made it to the cup level are welcome to train and use the resources as they see fit here. Um, so a little different compared to like your typical professional organization where, you know, you have certain things that are required of your athletes. And then there's some where it's kind of more a la carte. Um, you know, obviously we have certain expectations in terms of communication and, and um, planning, but, you know, they're all really good with that. So is it just you or do you have a sport dietitian team there? So it's just me. Um, okay. So we have around 25, it kind of varies, um, athletes on site. So pretty manageable compared to like the 200 plus <laughs> in baseball, yeah, you know, yeah. when for a while it was just me. So, um, that is something like I do love is having a smaller number, like that ratio is pretty solid. So and Stephanie, it sounds like with the age range, I mean, it's, you've also got concerns with developmental, just aging wise through pubertal years and so forth, but could you take us into some of the areas that you pay attention to? I mean, the, the physical demands, I imagine there are a number then of, of, um, mental and cognitive demands, things that aren't appreciated very well, maybe from spectator standpoint. <laughs> so could yeah. you, could you take us into that just even in the training that's done? And then when it comes to uh, race day and, and some of those considerations? Yeah, absolutely. Like hundred percent starting kind of like, where are they at in that life cycle? Right. Yeah. That's going to definitely influence the nutrition prescriptions, prescriptions and recommendations for our drivers. And then obviously we're like layering in, right. It's, um, we're kind of like making a cake and like putting all the layers together. Um, that's definitely a foundational piece. And then we really have identified kind of four key areas. Um, so we look at heat tolerance is a big one. Um, you know, there's like, there's a good amount of literature on motorsport, um, physical and nutrition demands, but it's not expansive, right? Um, in terms of, you know, we have, there's closed cockpit, there's open, like open wheel racing, um, that's going to influence some of those environmental conditions, and then turn the physiological stress that our athletes and drivers are experiencing. So like, you know, once you kind of filter it out that way, we don't have a ton to base off of. Um, so it's a lot of information that we're looking at in what we're seeing um, in our drivers. 
And so heat tolerance being one, um, then we look at like the aerobic capacity, right, of driving, um, you know, that can definitely impact our driver's ability to like endure <laughs> a race. And some of them run multiple races in a day or back to back. Um, and they can last anywhere from two, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to three hours or more. Um, mm -hmm. So pretty, pretty long duration. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the car, the physical demands, um, we kind of like pull together, like we don't, we call it composition, but more looking at like strength. Um, and that's affected, you know, we look really value that component because our drivers are experiencing, you know, obviously like the physical demands of driving, like the, the physical movements or the, like the, the actual, yeah, movement of it, but they're experiencing G-forces, they're experiencing vibration. Um, and all of that is going to cause some level of physiological stress or damage. Um, and so having, you know, obviously there's that endurance component, that VO2 max, um, you know, and what we've learned is when you improve VO2 max, you can improve heat tolerance and in turn, improving heat tolerance can improve VO2 max. So those kind of work hand in hand. Um, the, the composition, so, you know, we're, we're literally looking at strength, but we're also looking at skeletal muscle mass, you know, is something we're trying to maybe like suss out is like, is there, is there, you know, a certain amount that is helpful for our drivers. Like what, what does that look like? What does, what does a like elite level driver look like? Um, and again, that very, can vary. <laughs> it's very individualized. Um, all right. And then, and then the other one is like the, the cognitive side, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of mental stress, a lot of information that's being taken in that sensory component, right? Um, oftentimes our drivers need to have good proprioception, right? Feeling the car, knowing where other cars are in space. Um, so those are kind of the four key areas that we focus on from a training standpoint. And so our strength coaches work on developing programs that kind of address those areas. And then I come in being able to support each of those four components in a unique way. And then obviously like the benefit of working with a lower number of athletes is I, I have one-on-one -on -one sessions with almost every one of my drivers every week or every other week. That's um, great. Yeah. 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 So we're able to really get some like quality work done and, and really focus on their individual needs. They, Stephanie, I know you're in the Southeast. Do all the, the drivers and the athletes live around that area or are you also doing uh, individual consults via video or phone or what? So majority of our drivers do are, are local. Um, okay. They do live in the area. Um, we do have a handful that are remote, so we will, um, you know, whether that's FaceTime or doing video calls, just facilitating that. And they may not be as frequent, um, you know, depending on their race schedule and where they're at. But for the most part, they do make appearances here. They'll like travel in for, you know, once a month or um, whatever that could look like based off of their schedule. So yeah, I've done okay. virtual meal prep, which was very interesting. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> it. I've, I've done that too. It's very tricky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like first time using a knife. Yeah. Um, I think it took us like 20 minutes to like figure out how to properly cut a bell pepper. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, it. we both looked at each other and I was like, this will only get better. And he's like, yes. cool. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, this is going to be a monster of a question just because there's so many developmental stages of athletes that you work with, but what, like, where do you start 
I, I guess, and it could be a philosophical thing or or a stepwise thing, but where do you start with their daily nutrition? And, and again, knowing that you've got 14-year-olds or 30-year-olds, like what are your focal points when it comes to date, like a sound daily nutrition plan for these athletes? Where do you start and what do you do? Yeah, so that's really where like behavior change theory and kind of leveraging what they know, how they like to learn, what information interests them, you know, really understanding like where, where are they right now as they're meeting with you um, and, and taking all of that information in to really gauge like, okay, so where am I going to create the most impact? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, um, it, it, sometimes actually all the time, usually it looks different from athlete to athlete. So right. I really also try to see like, what are they, what are they willing to do? <laughs> and like, how difficult is it or how, how easy, how difficult. And then depending on kind of where key habits are identified, we'll just start there. Um, I'm all for starting small and building. Um, I think that helps tremendously with self-efficacy and and just garnering that confidence in their capabilities Um, as well as like, you know, knowledge is important, but knowledge doesn't always drive behavior. And so Mm -hmm. that's why we do have the teaching kitchen. you know, sometimes it's just the, the hesitate, like I've never been to a grocery store. Like some mm-hmm. of them never grocery shopped on their own. Um, this is often their first time, like picking up a knife or turning the oven on. And so we just, it's practice, right? Like, just like we practice on the field to be ready to compete on the weekend and how our drivers, you know, they, they do all of their prep, their video um, for that race you know, it's the same thing here. Like, here's an environment where I can help you, you know, you have support. We make sure they feel like loved and cared for, like no one's judging you if you can't do this. And I I found that that just, it gets them excited about it and they want to do it. They then show up every week. Right. And, you know, I have some drivers that, you know, being so young, right. The exposure to certain foods and Mm -hmm. the not wanting, maybe hesitating to try, like creating an opportunity for them to try something they maybe wouldn't do on their own. And so that just can help one widen the variety of foods that we can choose from, but also their comfort level, like they're absolutely capable of doing these things and doing hard things. And then we just kind of grow it from there. And I kind of let them guide me on like, okay, like is, is tracking your jam. If it's not, that's cool too. If plating guidelines is more where you're at, let's go that direction. Like maybe you're just interested in recovery nutrition. Like that's yeah. cool too. Maybe we just want to do hydration planning for race day. And we talk about that. So I kind of let them, you know, I get the information. I'm like the bumper, like the bumper, mm. <laughs> like we're going towards the same goal. Like you're bowling. Like I'm the bumpers, like just yeah. want to get up yeah. track. We'll bring you back, but like letting them figure out how they want to get there. Um, we're like where their starting point is. I just, I really let them kind of take ownership from that. Perfect. Um, what are some of your biggest hurdles in, in terms of daily nutrition then? Yeah, I think like the, the, the skill set, like the cooking piece has been one, like cooking meals at home. Um, you know, a lot of our drivers are not exposed to nutrition, right. You know, in a, in a way where in other, you know, in baseball, I had athletes coming from the college setting, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe taking a nutrition course in high school or parents or peers were interested. Um, that's not necessarily the case here. You know, I think like this is oftentimes their first taste of sports nutrition, um, performance nutrition. And 
it's just kind of like one explaining it a little bit, like figuring out like what they know, what they don't know, and being able to kind of maneuver it in a respectable way of like, you know, you only know, you only know what you know, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, sometimes it's just kind of figuring out, you know, we feel maybe ashamed that we don't know these things and there's no judgment. Like we're here to learn. We're all here to learn. Like, obviously I I'm very vulnerable in the fact that I don't understand some of the like mechanics and physics of racing. So like, I'm going to ask you guys all the questions. Um, I think sometimes that's the hardest part. It's just like asking questions, like be curious, explore, like it's fun. Every we're all here about, we're about it. So like go for it. Yeah. What about Stephanie, when it comes to like the four areas you talked to earlier, heat tolerance, aerobic capacity, strength, cognitive, the training that surrounds that I'm sure you layer on the the individual needs, but when it comes to uh, nutrient timing or some of the nutrition principles around the training that's done outside of the, maybe some of the daily nutrition um, teachings and things, can you can you give some highlights there of focus points that maybe do overlap or, or um, things in common with the athletes? Yeah, I, I think like those principles kind of like pull through across the board and then how they're implemented are a little different. And something that I love about our population, which gets me excited, is they love objective data. Like if you show them like their numbers, they're like in. Um, and so we have a heart rate monitoring system that we use, um, Polar Teams which helps provide, you know, like a little bit of a lens into like what's going on internally. Obviously, like from a nutrition standpoint, we all, we want to like take those numbers with a grain of salt, but it does provide our drivers with a good direction. Like on your heat room days, like the days they're in the heat lab, like you, you expend more energy, like, and then understanding physiologically, like when you're exposed to high temperatures, like there's going to be a shift towards carbohydrate metabolism. Um, and so you're going to have to recharge your battery is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, more so, or you're going to be, you're going to need to be prepared for that session. And a lot of times we do, I like for them to learn, like, I feel, I felt terrible. I felt like garbage, like, okay, let's experiment and try this. Like, cool. Give it a go. And then I want their feedback. So a lot of learning experience, it's a lot of experience, experiential learning. I can't talk today. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Um, but yeah, so like for, for our training sessions, you know, we kind of look at like the timing of their training. We discuss like, you know, some of them don't want to eat breakfast, but then they complain that they can't finish their workout. So that like gives us an opportunity to have a conversation about, you know, what to fuel your body with prior to your training session. You know, what maybe like the heat room, they can't tolerate a whole lot. We talk through that, you know, GI complaints and kind of working through what works best for that athlete. And then, um, they're all about like post-training stuff. Cause we have, we have like a blender and we do smoothies and they have like protein shakes and tart cherry juice. So it gives us opportunities to talk about like how we can leverage nutrition to enhance recovery, um, from an acute and chronic standpoint. Um, so like those tenements kind of stick through the week and, and then leading up to race day is when we really kind of look at like nutrient timing and strategies. And I, I kind of pulled from Typically I see this in like in, in soccer, um, but like race day minus one, race day minus two, you know, race day, like what are we doing in the days leading up? And we talk about, you know, 
our glycogen stores. Um, we talk about you know glucose or carbohydrate availability um, and how we can use different strategies um, or take advantage of certain windows of time to be able to enhance that. Um, and then obviously hydration, like basically like how can you be the best version of yourself when you get in that car? Um, and so we'll pull it back like hour by hour and then day by day. And I feel like honestly, once we did that and we've done some metabolic efficiency testing, mm. the polar data pulling that in um, has really helped paint a picture of like, okay, this is, I understand these are my limitations, like could be my limitations. How do I avoid that affecting my performance in the car? Amazing. I, I have a question, Stephanie, this, I feel sort of goofy to ask this, but are there any female athletes that are as part of your team right now? Okay. Yes, we have, um, we have four female drivers oh, currently nice. in our program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is that up and coming in the sport or is yeah. it still? Yeah, I think Toyota definitely like is a put, there's a push there for having a, you know, representation there um in terms of diversity and you know they're they're incredible all of our drivers are incredible um but our female drivers yeah we've got about four and they kick butt so (laughs) they're the rock stars are they younger or are they in their teens Uh, or a little bit older so we have some like in their you know 18 um to mid or early mid 20s that's awesome. And then I guess my follow-up question before Dina steals it from me is, do you do any menstrual cycle education with them? We do. We do talk about, um, you know, just like, I think in general for females, like yeah. there's a lack of awareness that this is occurring in our body, like, and it can fluctuate like week to week. Or every two. And so it's just bringing awareness to like, when you have shifts in appetite or when you have, um, you're experiencing more inflammation and like, mm-hmm. if there are certain symptoms, um, you know, you're, you're experiencing like premenstrual symptoms, like what does that, you know, how can you help, help manage that, especially as you're taking on like, you know, multiple races or an important race weekend. Um, and so we just have convert like open dialogue about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you know, it just like, these are, this is, this is normal female physiology in a lot of ways, right. not normal, but like, cause it can vary, you know, person to person, yeah. but like just bringing attention to it, which I think is important right. and awareness that this is happening. Absolutely. Oftentimes it gets right. kind of, it's taboo or right. appropriate to talk about it. And yeah. I, I think that kind of stigma needs to get, need to start removing that. Yes. For sure. So it sounds like, I mean, so listeners, if you're, if you're catching this, I mean, these drivers are, are sitting in their car for hours. I mean, they're racing for hours and hours and it could be multi-day events. I mean, so very similar to, to a few different sports, but you know, the first thing that popped into my mind, I used to work with us sailing and had never worked with sailors before. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, kind of like you're like, I need to get up on this and what's going on. But what I found in some classes and racing that it is literally like an endurance event. And this is where I'm going with this question. It sounds very similar in terms of motorsports, some, some of the races, some of the classifications, right? Here's, here comes my question. You mentioned the heat lab. I'm thinking you're acclimating, you're doing some acclimatization processes. They're going to be in the car for a long period of time. Like, what are you doing from a hydration, prehydration, sodium? Like, is that the purpose of the heat lab is to get them ready for those really hot race days? And really quick, how hot does it get in the cars when they're racing? (laughs) 
Yeah, so that that is the function of the heat lab. Um, you know, that's our secret sauce. So I can't divulge yeah. too much there. Okay. Um, okay. But that we have found that that is incredibly important, especially for our drivers, um, kind of at those at those levels where you're in the car for you know an hour and a half or more. And the I mean, we've seen temperatures get up well into the 130s. And then you also wow. also have to factor in that our drivers have on you know their fire suits multiple layers of gear that's there to protect them. That's important for their safety and well-being, but also inhibits their ability to properly regulate their body temperature, you know, from sweat and cooling. Um, so, you know, hydration becomes that much more important, right? Um, so we kind of, we, we really, we do a, like a, we call it orientation, but a lot of our young drivers will come in you know, a week in January and we'll talk through all of these things, right? touch on all of these topics and why we think they're so important. And, um, you know, we'll be able to kind of calculate their sweat rate. We have a protocol for mm -hmm. that. Um, we're kind of moving, looking into the sweat composition testing, but we really kind of look at that piece and then, you know, in the car, um, maybe how that can translate over into a race. And then we help kind of guide them, right? Race day minus two, minus one, what to do on race day. And then, based off of their preferences, right? Cause you can imagine like being that hot <laughs> and then drinking oh, yeah. certain fluids with like GI discomfort. We have to really dial in, you know, some of our drivers and, and I factor in a lot of preference because I want them to be comfortable, but I also don't want to miss the mark on in, the encouragement um, of making sure that they're hydrating during. Cause oftentimes the challenge is that they can only drink during cautions or when they're pitting. And so it I was going to ask you that, yeah. are you, yeah. are you on the radio also, or do they already have the protocol? I'm not on the radio. I would be petrified okay. to say okay. 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 This point. <laughs> but they have a crew chief um, that, you know, and they have a spotter that they communicate with. Um, and, you know, part of what we do too, is we build relationships with the, the various teams that use Toyota engines. Um, right. And you know, they'll ask, how can we support this driver? And, you know, for some of them are like, they need reminders on the radio to hydrate, to drink. And mm -hmm. they do just that. Um, so even sometimes those like verbal reminders um, to, to consume fluids is incredibly helpful in making mm -hmm. sure our drivers are taking care of themselves and, and they're setting themselves up to be the best they can, especially toward the end of the race. Um, there's even a system that some of our drivers use called Fluid Logic. Um, where it's a, a hookup through their helmet that allows for them to deliver fluid without having to like pick up a bottle or, or kind of maneuver their visor. Um, that was actually going to be my next question. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> how do, yeah. they, and you how can, do they drink, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great. Some of the systems, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, like some of them, it's like old school, like a water, but like a, a bottle, like a, like a, it looks like it, like from it's like the 80s, 90s. Yeah. Like it's yeah. massive with like a foam around it. Yeah. It's a massive straw. Um, that they'll drink from. Some of them have like bladders or like camel pack, camelbacks um, that yep. they'll drink out of. And then, yeah, some have like the system that's entered into their helmet. Um, and so I know this one in particular, one of our drivers uses, he has it timed. So it will oh. um, signal for him to drink. And then he pushes a button and it will deliver a certain amount of fluid. That, and then that is totally cool. Yeah, and that's, cool. In his, that's in his helmet? Yeah, it's hooked up through, um, through, and there, there's like a mouthpiece, and he'll just have to like bite wow. down on it, or like you know, kind of put it in his mouth, um, and he, and it gives you 
the option to like, you can either do it or you don't have to do it. Okay. Um, yeah. Which I think is good too. Cause just depending on the situation, you know, it might not, you might not need to be like taking some water in when you're trying to. Right. Right. Yeah. I imagine I was just going to thinking of that, like the sweat rates you must see even cause I think people think, well, you're just sitting in a car, da, 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 but like the heat core body temperature, the uniform, the equipment and everything. And then being in summer months, like, uh, do you see some pretty significant sweat rates that are surprising to you? Um, I mean, nothing else. I think just like, you know, the pers the perception of motorsports, right. Uh, and like, you know, unfortunately there's that, that like, well, they're not doing a whole lot. They're actually doing a lot. There's a oh, lot yeah. going on, you know, mm, yes, um, for sure. I've seen up to three liters per hour. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, you looking at, you know, in the car for two to three. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, Amazing. uh, it's very challenging. It's very challenging. Totally. Which sure, is why yeah. you are so needed to assist in their education and their strategies for, uh, performance purposes. Amazing. Yeah. Where do supplements? Yeah, yeah, Stephanie, where do supplements fit into this whole equation with your teaching and education? Yeah. So I think, you know, again, our athletes are fairly young. Um, so I am, I do kind of stand by the philosophy of building a strong foundation, especially before we begin kind of implementing any sort of ergogenic aids. Um, and so we, we do have a pretty extensive biomarker or like screening um, assessment we do. And we look at certain key nutritional ones um, that we may need to supplement with given, you know, after looking at dietary history, talking with our driver, we'll kind of come up with an individualized prescription. Um, so like omega-3s, vitamin D, we definitely push the omega-3s, um, kind of knowing some of the research out there in terms of its impact on brain health, especially in, in regards to concussion, our drivers are at a higher risk for concussions. Um, so that's definitely, you know, not just from like health and inflammation management, but also from, you know, a brain health standpoint. Um, and then, you know, talking with the drivers based on their goals, you know, if kind of seeing how their training's going, their uh, nutrition is, we'll begin talking about things like um, creatine monohydrates, beta alanine for some of them. Um, and then we'll just kind of build out their plan. So I, I kind of stick to the, the ones that are the heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, we have in-depth discussions, especially like some of our drivers like cycle, like they're cyclists and they do stuff mm -hmm. outside of here. Um, they have other interests from a sports standpoint. So, you know, it might open the door to discuss other types of, um, supplements or, uh, fueling strategies as well. Yeah, that's okay. great. And Stephanie, you mentioned earlier metabolic efficiency testing and, and the hydration testing. Are there other testing formats that you implement or things like that to learn each athlete's physiology or other unique, you know, status of their training that helps guide your teachings and interventions? Yeah. So we, we do some body composition assessments just to, to garner an idea of, of where they're at and more to look at kind of trends in how the nutrition and training interventions are influencing body composition. Um, you know, we also, I'm, I'm big on looking at how our athletes are feeling, how they're performing, how they're sleeping. 
and that can kind of guide you know some of the recommendations based off of of it, or using that data um like you mentioned we do kind of the sweat sweat rate um sweat testing piece um metabolic efficiency has been honestly a, a huge add-in in the past year um more just to help our athletes understand um, substrate utilization. And I, I don't usually use that term with them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, Hey, like there's a limited amount of carbohydrates that are stored in your body. Here's what your body is, is, is experiencing in the car. These are the shifts that happen to help make sure that you perform well in the car. Hey, guess what? Like you're incredibly carb dependent. So like mm-hmm. knowing this and then knowing what's happening in the car, like how important do you think making sure that your glycogen levels are at a hundred percent? And they're like, yeah, that makes like a lot of sense. Like, why would I go in at 50% or like, Hey Steph, I'm running back to back races. Like I have four hours in between. I know this is happening. How do I make sure I'm ready to go on the second one? So just really facilitated those conversations. Um, I just wanted to emphasize that because that's been tremendous and building buy-in into what we're, the messages we're pushing, but as well as like, here's how you can leverage nutrition. Um, we'll do RMR testing, but that just really is case by case more, you know, we've kind of like looked at all other pieces of the puzzle and we're maybe just not moving the needle in a certain direction. Um, and then we'll factor that in. And then of course, some of the biomarker testing, which um, we have that lovely screening piece, but we're definitely, that's, we've got some things in the works. So, you know, got to keep our competitive, our competitive advantage there. So <laughs> for sure. Oh, awesome. I, oh, I mean, I have the biggest smile on my face because you mentioned how, how important metabolic efficiency testing is. And I, the reason why I'm so happy is because that it's being utilized in a different sport than what most people think of, right? They're yeah. like, what NASCAR? Why? But Listen, I mean, metabolic efficiency testing should be done on any athlete in my mind. And yeah. I mean it because it gives a, that look inside the body and helps you and them understand, just like you were saying, Steph, a little bit more about what's happening inside their body so we can help direct their nutrition better. So that mm-hmm. oh, music, oh, music to my That's ears. Cool. Yeah. Do you do yeah. the testing? How, how do you do the testing? Are, are they in a treadmill or a bike or what do they? Yeah, we typically do it on a treadmill. So I know like the, okay. the translation yeah. is a little different, but I think if we look at the data as a whole, right. And like, what's mm-hmm. the story it's telling us, right. We can begin to understand, you know, as our driver is training throughout the week. And we know that, you know, even look at like, they have like met, like the met equivalents for racing can range, I think from like five to 13. Mm. So like, I mean, taking that, taking a lot of those pieces into consideration, um, you know, we can, we can kind of, I kind of, I just bucket them. It allows me to kind of bucket them. You know, there's maybe not that direct translation in the car, but like if my driver is starting off burning carb, walking, I could probably imagine once he's in the car with that heat or he or she, like, right. There's going to be a greater demand, right. That's going to be a limiting factor. Um, And so I think just, it allows me to kind of address, right. Those nutrient timing strategies, the emphasis on certain ones, right? Like I have some drivers that they're fine. Like they're going to be good there. And they tell me that right too. It's cool too, to see like, like, Hey, this what's, how do you feel in this scenario? And like, yeah. here's what this is telling me is like, that's cool. Cause that's how I feel. Like, you know, for some of our drivers, whose metabol- metabolic efficiency point is a little bit higher heart rate. Like the only time that they're super stressed is like, or really feeling fatigued is when it's a road course or when it's mm-hmm. really, really hot 
which mm. are the more physically demanding races yeah. um, right. and tend to see higher heart rates or time spent at higher heart rate zones. And so I think it just like validates their experience too. Not yeah. that that's necessary, yeah. but it just backs right, like right. it up. Well, it sounds um, like they're pretty open to receiving that information also. Yeah, I, I think that is really an a testament to the culture mm. here at TPC. Um, it's all about like being willing, being open, trying new things. And like, we're here to support you. Like, we care. Um, yeah. We're not, it's not conditional, you know, um, and we just act, ask that you like come in with a good attitude and put in effort yeah. and like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So before I ask you if there's anything else that we missed, I want to know what is the most, cause I'm sure you ran into this in major league baseball too. You know how all athletes have superstitions regarding food or timing or before a game or before a race. What's the craziest food superstition that you've seen so far in motorsports? You know, there's, there's not really. Okay. So I guess apparently they've learned. Yeah. You don't eat, you don't eat like peanuts, like peanut butter is fine, but you just don't eat peanuts. Oh, well, why is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. I'm sure someone, I know there's plenty of, there's, I, I know I, I work specifically with the drivers, but there are a good many dietitians that work with pit crew. Okay. And then obviously with drivers one-on-one, I think it's just, we have such a unique, um, program in the fact that it is drivers only. Right. Um, but yeah, I've just learned like no peanuts and then you don't wear the color green when you're on the grid. So like when the cars are like lining up and they do driver oh, intros, okay. you don't wear the color green. So those are the two things I've, yeah, coming from baseball where I'd be like, guys be like, this is what I eat before every yep. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, our drivers are so open. They're like, yeah, <laughs> I'll try that. Or like, you know, it, it's um more based on preferences rather than superstition. Yeah. Okay. That's maybe a breath of fresh air for a sport dietitian yeah. sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, not not too much to like work around, right? Like, <laughs> I know. I think we can work around just like like a bag of peanuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious. I'm going to follow up with you because I'm really curious about the whole peanut versus peanut butter thing. I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, anyway, yeah, right. Hmm. Yeah, I well, asked. I, what, we have our, we asked one of our drivers. Um, his wife comes in here and, and trains, yeah. and she she fills me in on like the do's <laughs> and don'ts. Um, and I, was, I asked her, I was like, are there any superstitions? Because I haven't, I hadn't heard of any up until this point. Because usually like, you know, in baseball, like someone's throwing like a no hitter, like you don't say it, you don't speak that. Right, right. right. We just don't acknowledge it. Um, and, you know, she told me those two and I was like, huh. I was like, why? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, and then I just like left it at that. And I'm like, we're just going to let that be. Let it marinate a little bit. Now, yeah. now I'm like, I need to look into that. Like, why? I know. Totally. Let's see yeah. who finds the answer yeah. first. <laughs> well, Stephanie, did we leave anything out? Like, I, I feel like we've been just tagging you with all these questions, but anything else that, that you want to share regarding nutrition, motorsports, anything? I mean, we covered a lot. I feel like we did. Didn't we? It's yeah, so we fascinating, Stephanie. Yeah. Super fascinating. 
especially, I mean, you know, I didn't grow up, you know, I grew up in Colorado and Dina the same way. I mean, we just, you're just not exposed to a lot of that. Right. So I think, I think when you grew up, you know, not around it, you're like, oh my gosh, really all that happens. Like, you know, you watch it on TV and you're like, oh, that's cool. But you don't know the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, what's, that's, what's cool. Like what you're doing. And we just so appreciate your contribution to, to this sport, but also just our, you know, our trade and our career in general, because I do, I feel like you're really kind of paving the way and using some some good technology and some good behavior change so thank you for doing all that yeah yeah no I'm, I'm ex- still more to learn and and I think that is definitely a big piece of what we're about like if we have a question or there is something that maybe we can do better like we're going to dig in collectively as a group so I think that level of collaboration between our director of performance our strength and conditioning mental health myself like you know it's a small enough group, right, where we can yeah. really kind of dig in and and um, find solutions or just have what's the next question, right? For sure, um, for sure. Like it's really cool to be able to be like, I've noticed this. <laughs> Let yeah. me go to the literature. Hey, I still have these questions, and you know, we if you have enough backing and you've you've done your you know the legwork and you say, Hey, I need to answer this question because I need to better serve my athletes. They're like, go for it. What resources do you need? Um, what should that look like? And like, we call it like our, our series, our journey of questions, where it's just like, they just keep going and we keep, that's how our process, you know, like keep asking questions, pull back that next layer, see what you find. And, you know, cool. Like, that's awesome. How, how do we use that? Can we use it? Um, it's just really incredible to be able to do it like as a group. Um, totally. Yeah. Really create some well, change and, and just have a great team around you too. Yeah. 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 We really do. We have it from our drivers to, to the entire staff. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. Love it. Love it. Well, let's get to our high five questions. Cause this is where the listeners get to know a little bit more about Stephanie behind the scenes. Right. So okay. these are, these are fun. These are kind of rapid fire. You don't have to think much about it and we won't put you on the spot or anything, but uh, series, series of five and Dina will just kind of go, Dina and I will go back and forth, but first one, super easy. What's your favorite indulgence food or meal or comfort food or meal or call it whatever you want. Oh gosh. Um, Okay, brigadeiro, which is a Brazilian dessert. So my husband's from Brazil. Okay. Um, yes, like it is condensed milk. I'm probably, I'm, someone's probably gonna correct me. We'll have a corrections <laughs> corner later. <laughs> I don't make it, he makes it. So that's okay. like why I love it even more. But condensed milk, um, like cocoa powder. I like the chocolate one. Um, butter and then chocolate sprinkles. Oh, very interesting. Is it like a pudding con? I'd have never had it like a pudding Almost, texture, yeah, like pretty thick, and then uh, it, you can like roll it into balls and then put the sprinkles on it. So you like oh, pop it. It's oh, incredible. Holy moly! It. Okay, drooling over here. <laughs> Dina, Dina, check into that so we can let our listeners know. how to make know how to make that. Okay. <laughs> Sounds delish. Okay, question number two, Stephanie. What's a favorite hobby or activity that you do in your spare time? Oh, I love leisure reading. That is like, I love it so much. I will take down like a 600 page novel in like a day. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're currently on, um, I'm not going to tell you the series, but like, um, 
Caitlin, our director, and I are like reading this one, and it's just like we keep going. I have like a, I have a note section because like there's a crossover, and we're like we're gonna figure out like what the ending is because some books haven't been released yet. We're like we're gonna figure out how these all come together. So yeah, serious. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you're rolling up your sleeves on that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> third, third question. And this is just because, you know, I kind of changed this midstream because of where you are employed, right? For Toyota performance. What kind of vehicle do you drive? <laughs> I drove you know, I had, I had Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. I yeah, was just wondering, you know. You know what? Our group is not, you know, you'd think like you have to drive a Toyota. And um, yeah. no, not the case. But yeah. Okay. I, uh, I leaned into living into Texas. I had to get a truck. Yes, so. yes. Awesome. It's the same thing with auto sales. Like the same thing you ask the car sales people and like, oh, do you drive a Ford or Toyota? Like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Because because you don't have to, right? I mean, you can no. if you want to, but okay. Yeah. okay. Sorry. <laughs> maybe in the future. I've been looking at the Sequoia. Been yeah. Okay. okay. Maybe, maybe a little RAV4. We don't know yet. All right. So, All right. But right nice. now we're, we got the truck. Okay. Love it. Oh, okay. Uh, question number four, Stephanie, this one isn't too rapid, but it's still fun. Uh, so, okay. Imagine you're on a, you're stranded on a deserted Island. You're going to be rescued at some point, but you don't know when exactly. What are three things that you would want to have with you while you're kind of killing some time there on the stranded deserted Island? Oh my gosh. Um, it's an Island sort of thing, tropical. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I'm going to say this, you're going to laugh, but I, one of my favorite books is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and I could read that and reread it. So that right. could be like my entertainment. Awesome. And then I do think like maybe like a field guide of like poisonous vegetation, mm. right. To be able it's to navigate practical. that. Yes. I like, I like practicality. It's That's always, good. yeah. Like feed me. Cause if <laughs> I'm hungry, we're going to, we're going to be struggling. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think, I don't know. Oh man, you guys got me. I struggle with these questions because I like think about it too much. Yeah. Overthink it, it. These are fun ones, yeah. Oh man. Like, I feel like, I feel like I, like being, being fed is, and hydrated is very important because I don't yeah. do anything other than that. <laughs> like if well, I like without live, food so, for a long time. Well, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get saved at some point. Okay. Um, seem like some sort of like water purification system, maybe okay. sunscreen. I don't know. Yeah. Like okay. now that I'm getting older, like the sun is petrifying <laughs> me and what it's doing to my skin. Um, yeah. uh, or just like, like a whole bunch of coconuts, you yeah. know, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's good. I, I yeah, knew you were going to say a book. I thought you were going to yeah. say your favorite dessert for some reason, although it is a deserted <laughs> island and we didn't give you the environmental conditions, but uh, no, that was, that was great. Awesome. Um, <laughs> last question might be a little tricky for you because we're, we're having you limit it to one thing. So if you only had one piece of advice for all athletes, what would that one and only piece of advice be? Trust yourself. Oh, all right. Love that. Man, we can get the best responses from Gosh, that question. Darn, I have goosebumps. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Good. I, so I'm a I'm a yoga teacher. <laughs> oh. Um, and have just gone down an incredible journey of self-inquiry. And I think the biggest thing that we lose touch in, touch on is is ourselves and who we are. And you know, that gut feeling is important. It's there for a reason. And sometimes that trust in us 
um, and acknowledging that, you know, we lose, we, we lose it a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. We let other things be our compass. And if we come back to that, it will often guide us where we need to go. You know, and that's not to get to negate the people that are around you that are there to support you and love you, but like trusting in yourself that those people are there, you know, that's always um, another piece of it. But yeah, trust sure, yourself. Sure. I love that. But I, I try to do that every time I don't, I'm out on the trails too. Trust yourself. Like you can go down that hill. It's okay. Oh, there's a rattlesnake in the trail. Trust yourself. Turn around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your gut, that gut feeling, like right. don't right. ignore that. Like right. exactly. your, your body telling you like that is maybe reconsider what you're doing. <laughs> so totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. Such a great message to end with. Stephanie, this has been such an awesome, just catching up with you is, is always great. Uh, but really just, I think, biasly for Dina and I, just to learn a little bit more about nutrition and motorsports and listeners, I hope you, this really opened up a whole nother, you know, journey or maybe chapter or whole book for you and like, oh, wow, that really happens in motorsports and sports. And I think it gives everyone, including myself, just a better appreciation. Like when you do see this, whether on television or in person, when you see these, these athletes going around a track, right. Hopefully you'll have just a better appreciation of everything that goes into it. So thank you from the bottom of our heart, just for spending the time with us and just really educating us and, and our listeners. And we'd love to have you back, like maybe after a season and, you know, kind of maybe learning what you learned, right. And maybe, you know, planning for the next season, what, what's going to happen next. Yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah. Thank you guys for sharing the time and giving me the opportunity to share a little bit. So. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. From Dina and I, listeners, we so appreciate you all listening to us. And like I said, hopefully you created um, some excitement here and you're leaving with a few golden nuggets and we will catch you on the next Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with sport dietitian Stephanie Fernandez of the Toyota Performance Center. It will be exciting to follow along. I have a new interest there in motorsports. Um, being from the Midwest originally, it was always an interest, but now I definitely have more appreciation for the sport. And hopefully you do as well. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We've got another cool conversation lined up with nutritionist Mickey Willidan out of New Zealand. You may know her if you're into sports nutrition or nutrition whatsoever. Her podcast, Mickeypedia, is a very popular one for an array of guests and insights into the world of nutrition. So we're going to talk about low-carb, healthy fat or low carb, high fat, and some different dietary patterns and the work that she does and what she sees in her clientele. So stay tuned for that one coming up next week. We definitely appreciate you being here with us. And hey, if you would like to express your gratitude for having this podcast in your life, and find the information beneficial and useful to you in your quest for improving health and performance, please give us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help us grow and share content with other listeners around the world. If you're looking for the show notes 
head over to the website insidesportsnutrition.com. You can find the show notes not only for this episode, but all previous episodes. You can also submit a question to us through the website. And hey, if you'd like to make a monetary contribution to help us support the operation of the pod, there's a way to do that over on the website as well. You can learn more about the services that Bob and I both offer. Give Bob a shout or a look over at energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G-performance.com, or myself, Dina, over at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.